Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Deep Three episode. Uh, today's guest is Scott Newman, Director of Pro Scouting at uh, Windsor Express in the Canadian Basketball League. Scott, how you doing? Doing good, Vlad. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. So I really love having you on today because uh, I think the Canadian Basketball League is growing. Uh, you know, you've had some uh, some good players in the last few years that uh, – you know, kind of made the, the hop back over, like Carl English, uh, right? You have Big Bay Davis, um, you know. Right. So it, it, it became a little bit more interesting uh, because, especially for, for some of Europe, because uh, Big Baby left Europe. I think he left Croatia and came straight to Canada. So everybody was like, oh, wow. Um, so I'm just going to start talking about the, you know, I want to talk about Windsor Express. I know you guys have – has had some success in the past few years. Yes. We were two times uh, national champions, right? Is that correct? Right, yeah. We, we won the national championship in um, 2014 and 2015, back-to-back national championships. So that was, uh, you know, I was a very uh, proud moment for the organization, being uh, it was the organization's second year. The first year of uh, the Windsor Express was – 2012-2013 season. And then in the uh, franchise's second year, second and third year, we were able to ca- uh, capture back-to-back uh, championships there. So that was uh, that was a fun time. And we, we're trying to get that back. Nice. You are actually one of the most, uh, like, well, the oldest teams in the league, right? From my understanding. Uh, yeah, we, 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 you know, we came in, the league was uh, started in uh, 2011, 2012, okay? So uh, Windsor Express first year was actually the second year of the league's existence. So there's a couple of teams that are still uh, um, uh, one year ahead of us, like Halifax and London, that's still a part of the league. But other than that, you know, we're right there one year behind them. Nice, nice. So now what's, uh, first of all, let's talk about the league in general uh, before we dig deeper in the, in the Express. And uh, how many uh, how many uh, teams are in the league right now? When do you guys play uh, similar to the NBA as far as like conferences or do you play similar to Europe where, you know, everybody plays against everybody a few times a year? Well, we pretty much play against everybody uh, uh, at least minimum twice a year, but we, we are broken into conferences. Uh, we have eight teams right now in, in the league. There's four teams out in the Atlantic, which is our Halifax, Prince Edward Island, Moncton, and St. John's. And then in uh, Ontario, we have uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, London, Sudbury, and then the Windsor Express. So there's eight teams right now. We've had as many as 10. Uh, two teams took a year hiatus last season. Uh, so they're supposed to be coming back. Uh, we're, we're still waiting to hear about that. So that would make us up to 10. And then we've had a few teams that's been in the league uh, for a year or so, a couple of years, and then, uh, you know, folded throughout the history, you know. But the league basically started off as a developmental type of professional league in Canada. It's Canada's first, uh, one of Canada's first uh, basketball professional leagues. And the league is basically was used as, and still to this day, for a lot of time, for a lot of players, used as a platform to uh, springboard into higher-paying jobs over in Europe. 
but as the league has progressed and right now, like I say, it's going on its maybe ninth year right now. Uh, some players have basically spent the majority of their career here, you know, have found their niche and found their level. Uh, they're closer to home, closer to the United States. Uh, then uh, with Windsor, you know, we're right across the Detroit River. So, uh, you know, we're able to, you know, use that as a selling point to a lot of players who, who want to be close to the States. So it's allowed uh, players to be closer to home and is, is also grown the Canadian basketball talent uh, in Canada. Whereas, uh, you know, players are now have something to strive for, you know, Canadian homegrown talent can, can stay home instead of uh, maybe going over to Europe, but they can play in their own country. So, we're proud to be uh, a part of history and, and helping the development of the Canadian players throughout Canada. That's awesome right there. They have a rule. Is there a rule as far as like foreigners and Canadians or? Yes. Uh, um, what, what, what we have now, I think the, the, each team has to have a minimum of four to five Canadians. Okay. On a 12 man roster. And so the amount of Canadians you have depending on, depends on uh, the amount of total players you have on your roster. So if you have like 12, 12 man rosters, which is the max, you can have up to five, you can have a maximum, not a maximum, but you have a minimum of five Canadians. Uh, 11 man roster, you can have a minimum of four Canadians. And plus we have uh, like a, like sort of like an injured reserve too uh, for some guys. So generally teams are carrying probably, you know, 14 guys between the injured reserve, but a 12 man active roster would I believe a minimum right now is four Canadians when the league first started because they wanted to make sure the talent was uh as best for for entertainment value and for people to see you know it was a minimum of uh two Canadians you can have now you can have more but it, it, it started off a minimum of two but as the league has gone on like I said it's going on the ninth year now um the the, the talent in uh Canada has gotten better and now they're up to four or five minimum Canadians that you're supposed to have, that you have to have on your roster. Nice. Yeah, Canadian, I mean, Canadian basketball has been growing. And, uh, yes, you know, just, I mean, if you look at their national team, uh, it's gotten so much better. Uh, I personally think Steve Nash helped a lot. Uh, you know, his, his team growing up, uh, you know, just as a player and became became MVP and then, you know, of course, the Raptors helped when they came over and uh, the whole Air Canada thing, right, with Vince Carter. Right. So oh, you yeah. see a lot of a lot of talent coming to Canada nowadays. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we don't know about, like you said, that play in, uh, that play in your league. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, pretty sure Europeans are familiar with Carl English, right? I mean, he's had a phenomenal career overseas. And... Uh, same thing. He was a little bit under-recruited uh, just because he was from Canada, you know, uh, going to college, from what I remember, uh, reading about him. So it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely good to see, uh, you know, the league, the league, uh, you know, getting better and better. And uh, I actually got to watch, like, a game last year, I think. Uh, some, of, some of the games are on YouTube, right? Or you guys have, like, a pay-per-view type thing, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah, we, the, you know, this originally started off all the games uh, you can catch on YouTube or at least the replays of them. Now, uh, in order to generate a little bit of re revenue 
they they have it to where it's, uh, you know, almost like uh, what they call that um, um, <laughs> per watch, you know, when yeah. you, you, you pay for that, you know. And so just a short fee, you can um, pay to watch the whole league, every team in the league, or your favorite team individually whenever they can. Like a league pass, like the NBA does. League league pass. Pass. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, similar to that, you know. So uh, all the – they're available. And uh, the league is is well ran. You know, we have some excellent talent. You know, like you mentioned before, uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis and uh, Royce White were uh, NBA first round draft picks that have played in our league for a couple of seasons. Uh, Carl English is is a is a legend where he's from out there in St. John, St. John's. You know, which is different from St. John, <laughs> uh, the new <laughs> franchise out there. So he's uh. Uh, he's a legend out there. I mean, he's a little older now, but, uh, you know, he's still uh, making an impact in terms of uh, his, uh, I guess, maybe he's maybe general manager, part owner or something out there with that team in the front office type. Uh, and so uh, we're just looking to grow the league and, and get better. And, and the league is talks of, you know, expanding out west which is in that Vancouver area out, out that way. And, you know, all the league needs is probably four teams out there. You know, if it gets four teams out that way and then uh, be able to pick up TV contracts and things like that, the league would be even better because there'd be more money involved. And now you can, the talent base can increase in the league, especially if, you know, uh, TV, you get uh, the, the league mess around and gets a TV contract that would really take, the, the league up another notch. Yeah, absolutely. I like uh, and I like the, I like the way uh, you guys develop things over these nine years. You know, I think uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of people just uh, didn't know much about it. So now you clear some stuff up, and I know you guys. Uh, you know, for example, Europe is an issue that some teams don't pay on time. I know you guys always pay on time, uh, right? Yeah. Give the players uh, housing also. Yes. Uh, and you don't, you don't give them cars, right? I mean, that's... No, 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 no. Not, I mean, uh, not with us. I think each team, you know, can do what they want. Yeah, each team is different, but I haven't heard of any any team uh, giving a player a car while in the city, but I could be wrong. Got you, got you. And you do work on a salary cap, right? I mean... Yes, yes. I, I believe that... The, the budget or the salary cap originally when the league first started was uh, 150,000. I believe it's, it has increased since then. And so uh, the players get paid uh, monthly. Um, the minimum amount a player can make is uh, 1,600 per month. And then it increases uh, depending on your market value and your ability. And, uh, and what the team feels that, you know, you're worth. So we've had players who've, who've, who've come in and started with us as a rookie making the minimum or a little bit more than the minimum. Uh, and then two, three years later, you know, they're making triple that because they've played their way into that contract. You know, if they haven't played their way into another job somewhere overseas. So what we're about uh, with the Windsor Express is being able to develop players, develop young men, and, and, and help them to reach their dreams and, and, and give them the opportunity to play professional basketball, you know, uh, and as a career, you know. So uh, 
we just enjoy doing things like that. And, 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 and it also winning champion. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. You guys can do both, uh, you know, just win two championships in nine years. Uh, that's great stuff right there. And uh, now as you being the director of pro scouting, uh, what do you exactly have to do, uh, you know, for the, for the Windsor Express? Well, uh, let me, let me go back. When I first started off my first four year, this will be, let me see, this will be maybe my eighth year with the Windsor Express coming up in um, this next season, 2021. Uh, my first four years, I was a uh, assistant coach. Uh, my, by my fourth year, I was associate head coach. Uh, at that time, I had an opportunity, which I took for a year to, to take a, a high school uh, varsity head coaching job. But I wanted to stay on in the professional ranks, so they allowed me to uh, stay on in a front office capacity as the director of pro scouting. And so what I do and what I've always done, even as an assistant coach, uh, is just in terms of recruiting players, evalu evaluating players, evaluating uh, the uh, players within our league as the pros or who have played in other leagues like yourself to see if they're a good fit, along with college players. And uh, like I say, evaluating those guys, seeing if they're a, a good fit for our level, if they're good enough to play at our level of professional basketball, and then trying to bring them into the fold to help the team to be as, uh, as good as we can uh, make it and as good as we can put it together. So uh, I've spent several summers since 2014 every summer in Vegas uh, coaching and scouting and recruiting in, in the Global Summer Basketball League and other events out there looking for talent. Uh, and, and bringing guys to our training camp. And, you know, uh, I evaluate highlight tapes of which we get them all the time of college prospects and from agents. And so uh, the head coach uh, can, can only do so much. So when you have assistant coaches or people in your front office staff, like myself, who are able to kind of uh, look at things too and contribute to roster building, uh, it helps everybody and it takes a little bit off the head coach's plate and, and the owner's plate to look at film and evaluate and put it together so we can um, put together a winning product for uh, the city of Windsor and Ontario and uh, try to bring another championship back. Absolutely and uh, now that you didn't mention the owner are most teams the league privately owned or uh, is like the city council or the, the city they play in is that are they involved financially at all, or? I think uh, I think most teams have uh, either uh, most teams have an I, I would believe an ownership group. Maybe a few teams have one sole owner who has deep enough pockets, uh, but most teams within a league have multiple investors and in, in, in an ownership group, which helps support that team and and, and helps support uh, uh, the team to be successful in terms of paying bills or whatever it needs to be done to run a team, you know, so uh, it, it costs a lot of money, you know, it costs a lot of money to own a team in our league and to be able to, you know, have to pay salaries, you have to pay housing, you know, you have uh, uh, travel, you have meals, you know, uh, on the road or whatever it is. So it, it takes, it takes, uh, like say, an, an ownership group in order to make things work the best. 
Gotcha. And uh, you also mentioned training camp a little bit earlier. And I know you guys started a little bit later last year, right? Because uh, from what I talked to previously, just because uh, you kind of wanted to avoid hockey, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 December, January. No, no. Uh, de- yeah, December. 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 We started last year, and generally, for the most part, uh, we've been starting. Let me say, like I said, this is going on my eighth year. So maybe six out of the years we've started traditionally in November. Uh, two of the seasons we started in December. The last two years we started in December. Uh, in Canada, as you know, hockey is king. So within the markets that we have teams, uh, there are uh, Canadian junior hockey leagues, which also uh, – uh, use the arenas that we play in in terms of those are the arenas they use for hockey rinks. So the, the, the arenas are doubling as hockey rinks and for basketball. So you have to share arenas, share arenas. So pushing it back toward December, I think uh, allow in the league's thought process um, hockey and basketball not to be bumping heads in terms of scheduling. So it, it worked out worked out best for that. This past season we started – I believe uh, in late December. It might have been the first game. Might have been the twenty seventh, twenty eighth of December. You know, so that was right after Christmas. And, and when did you start? Got, when did you start training camp with the guys then? Uh, training camp had to have been within those two. Generally, teams are starting two weeks before that first game. Traditionally, okay, thanks. two weeks. Mm-hmm, about two week training camp before that our uh, first game uh, to get going, and then. Uh, before the first game, you're also going to play uh, an exhibition, you know, or two. Uh, and then they try to keep those exhibition games uh, close by for travel reasons. So teams in Ontario pretty much will play an exhibition game against each other. And the teams out there in in, um, in the Atlantic will play, you know, instead of coming all the way across and having to fly to play, you know, it's costly. Yeah. No, no, it, I mean, it totally makes sense. And uh, now that's why I keep asking all these questions because I want people to know more about the league, how it's run, and you know the the approach that you guys have to to everything. Uh, yeah. Like I said, you know, it's when it started, nobody knew about it, and actually a lot of people still don't know about it uh, much. You know, uh, there's been some some players that jumped from Canada to Romania actually directly in the last two three years. Yes. And uh, with my friends from Romania, you know, I was actually talking about the league. And uh, they're like, yeah, it's, it's not there yet, but you can see the jumps, you know, especially, uh, you know, you're not going to have a player from Canada jump to the, you know, uh, the level Carl English played at uh, in Europe. But they get also decent level jobs where they can kind of play themselves into bigger and bigger contracts. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, my, my friends, uh, my two friends that I talked to in Romania about this, uh, both coach in the, in the top leagues. And uh, they said that they've watched – uh, games from players there, and uh, you know they, they can see the the level. You know, is the the player level getting better and better? And uh, they also told me that some of the arenas look nice. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're they're, they're all, you know pretty much all the arenas. Like I said, they they double as as the hockey arenas. You know, for for those hockey teams. You know, so those are uh, where we play. WFCU Center seats like seven thousand. You know, uh, London has a very nice arena. Halifax, have, 
everybody, Sudbury's Arena is nice, you know. So those those are we play in some nice venues. We don't play in any uh, high school gyms or anything like that. They're all they're all um, you know arenas, you know, and um, very fan friendly. And uh, the league does a, a, a nice job, a good job, of making sure that uh, everything is run in a in an A one matter. Nice. What is the attendance like? Attendance depend on each team. You know, uh, right now for us, I think we were averaging a little over a thousand. You know, um, you go to to other teams, it may be uh, two thousand. Some teams on a nightly basis, you know, they may be around 800, you know, it may fluctuate a little bit, you know. So, uh, but uh depends on, and a as the season goes on, and especially when the playoff comes, uh, and, and if you're lucky enough to make that championship, now, uh, when we were in our, in our heyday in 14 and 15, and we got to... Uh, you know the championship and game seven and all that type of stuff. Oh man, we the, it was it was it was rocking in the WFC youth center. I'm talking about four or five, you know, close to six thousand people. You know, uh, it was it was a nice uh, it was a nice environment, nice and very nice environment. So those teams that have the playoff run, you know, the fans generally pick up around then and uh, exceed expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's somewhat hard to be in Windsor, too, uh, because in some ways you compete with the Detroit teams, right? I mean, uh, there's just so many people that, uh, you know, there's just so many people uh, that go to the Wings games. They go to the Pistons games, you know, like uh, they just yeah. – I just know so many people in Canada that just come over, you know, just cross the bridge and go there for a game. So I'm sure that has something to do with, with the attendance. Uh or, you know, it's kind of like in Europe, it's the smaller markets, you know, they might get a little better crowd or stuff like that. And uh, so you guys don't really generate a lot of income from tickets, basically, right? Not too much, but the goal is to do that. You know, over the years, uh, our attendance has picked up and it's picking up slowly. But uh, our ownership group is, is doing, you know, uh, all that they can working every day to uh, bring fans gotcha. to, uh, bring more fans to the game to, to, to pique the interest you know with the Raptors winning the championship basketball as, uh, like I say picking up in Canada so uh, you know we're out in the community we're out uh, shaking hands and, and kissing babies and, and trying to uh, sell tickets and get people interested and, and have people support uh, the Windsor Express and the National Basketball League of Canada because, you know, uh, if they support us, we're all going to win, you know, and, and they didn't think it would last this long in Windsor, but it's, we're, we're, we're hanging in there and, and we plan on staying. Awesome. And uh, who, who owns the Windsor Express? Uh, our owner, we have an ownership group, but our president and CEO, his name is uh, Dardis Willis. That is his name. He uh, and he has an ownership group, and uh, like I say, he you know he basically uh, you know is working night and day, twenty four hours, you know, trying to grow the Windsor Express, and and to uh, put the best product that he can, you know, on the floor uh, to to provide a winning team and provide entertainment in that uh, Essex County area. Awesome, awesome stuff right there. 
now getting back to the basketball stuff. Uh, so what does your season look like? Because you play a lot of games for what is like a six-month season, right? For, uh, season's more four to five, and then playoffs, it may may run close to six, five to six. Uh, but uh, when we first started, it was 40 games. Then it went down to 32, 34. Now I think it's, it's back up to about 36 games total regular season. No, just yeah. I mean that's because if you think about it, in Europe, you play almost ten months and you play thirty games, right? Some teams mm -hmm. you, play, you play in only one league, you know, you play thirty games in ten months. So, from a player standpoint, that's that, that's you know that's better, more games and I mean less practice, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're playing about two games a week, you're playing about two, playing about two games a week, averaging or what eight nine games a month. Gotcha. Um, okay. Would average, average out too. You know, so uh, it's uh, it's a good deal, man. We travel travel well, and you know, uh, guys. You know, when we, when we go out east in the Atlantic, you know, we have to fly out there, and uh, uh, you know, and then from renting vans, you know, to travel to the games once we fly there. But you know, it's an it's an experience. You know, it's an experience. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm gonna ask. So when you go over there, do you go for like a number of games, or do you go there and back, or? Oh no, no. Anytime teams come to uh to Ontario or we go out to the Atlantic, you know, you're gonna play a minimum of probably of three games, you know, while you're there. Three, four games maybe. Okay, similar uh, to the NBA, like a West Coast, East Coast type trip where they come to the East Coast and they play, you know, four, five, six games and then they go back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna knock out knock out a minimum of three games uh when we go out east. Uh and then generally it's about two trips out that way, you know, so we make sure you playing all those teams. And then when they come, they make their rounds too, you know, so because they have to, you have to play us. And then they're, you know, London is two hours from us. KW is, you know, maybe three and some change, uh, you know, so they make their rounds too when they, when they come this way. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's a way, it's a good way to save money, right? I mean, yeah. Well, fly, you yeah. play St. John's one game and then fly right back home. Uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, it, it, it totally uh, totally makes sense. Uh, and now, as far as uh, – I know you guys don't really uh, – well, not you guys. I mean, like, just the Canadian League. Uh, you guys do trades, I think, right, for players or some like that, some similar to the NBA, not exactly like a – a free agent type deal every summer, right? Where you have some, you you retain the, some rights to the players. Yeah. What, what what happens is at at the end of the season, well, you know, after a month or so goes, each team can put out a protected list. You know. Okay. Uh, so we had a, a, a twelve man roster. We can protect, I believe, I say it's like maybe six, and that means that uh, uh, to a certain point, no other team can offer. Uh, those players a contract we we get we get first crack at at re-signing those guys that's that's how it is you know and so we have the opportunity to demand so once we present our offer and then at that point uh the, our protected guys they can you know receive offers but we have the opportunity to match you know uh, okay so you match can match their best offer and then they have to stay with you or exceed it right right uh, so it, it kind of, kind of keeps and helps with the continuity of, uh, of 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 teams, and and their rosters and keeping teams together. So everybody's 
not poaching each other's players every year and guys are switching. But uh, like any sport, you know, for the most part, all these guys are, are under one-year contracts. And so uh, sometimes things don't work out. Uh, sometimes things come to an end. So players move on. Sometimes, uh, you know, we may have a player, say, you know, a player like yourself, and, and you know, you're on our protected list, and we, we sign you for this amount, and then somebody maybe offers you, you know, uh, 2,000 more than we were willing to pay. So in that, at that point, you know, you, you know if, we don't, if we don't match it, then you can go ahead and, 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 and play with that team. So that's how sometimes uh, – It's very similar to the NBA-style free agency where you're a restricted free agents, basically. Yes, yes, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. And, okay. And, that's how it works. Cool. I think that's, that's pretty cool. I think in Europe, only Spain does that a little bit. And then, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good idea. Like you said, you can try and keep your core players if, if, if you can. And, uh, you know, if your financial situation allows you to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting concept. And uh, there is no draft, right? So there's, there's no draft for you guys, right? Yeah, well, we had a – we just have – we used to have a draft combine. This past season, 2019, this past summer, was the first year we really didn't have that draft combine. But every year, you know, we would have a draft combine. So where players would come and work out in front of all the teams, you know, as maybe a one or two day event. Okay. And then the top 20 would be drafted. Okay. And we would do like a, a you know, draft, like an NBA draft. So, I mean, we, it was on YouTube and everything. So players would make their select teams would make the selections. And if we drafted those players who attended the combine, anybody drafted would have an automatic invite to training camp, okay? And so from training camp, they, uh, you know, would have to make the team from there. Okay, I see. Okay. Are your contracts guaranteed or non-guaranteed, or how do you guys do that? Pretty much a non-guaranteed, you know, non-guaranteed. I can't speak for uh, uh, every team in the league. But I know I've I've only known of of, of one player uh, who we've had, which was a, actually a guaranteed contract, you know, and that was something that uh, was worked out amongst him and, and the ownership. Got you. Okay. No, it makes sense. I, I mean, I just want to touch on the subject because, uh, like I said, you know, I think we, um, especially in Europe, the Canadian League is not so well known. So that's this is a good opportunity mm -hmm. for you know agents, GM scouts to kind of get a feel for how things work in, uh, in Canada. And have you guys had players leave uh, during the season for, for Europe? If they get an offer, is there a buyout? or that Yes. Is, that, that is from yeah. team to team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from team to team, and, and pretty much it, it has happened throughout the league uh, on, on the majority of teams. Uh, like I said before, our goal as an organization is to increase players' value and be able to move guys on. You know, so if – uh, a player plays well enough, you know, halfway through our season that's, that a team in Europe approached him with a, a six-figure deal, you know, uh, by all means, we're not going uh, to try to stop that guy from, um, you know, increasing his, 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 uh, his value or his, his income for his family. You know, uh, that's an opportunity that uh, he can't pass up, then yeah. Uh, we're, we're all in favor of that, and we've had that happen in the past. Uh, with that being said, 
Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I'm sure it was something works out amongst the teams to, to allow him, with our team and whatever team, to allow that player, you know, to go ahead and move on. But, no, we're not stopping uh, players from moving on if they have a, a, a better opportunity for, them, for themselves. As much as it, it may hurt our team, you know, at the time in terms of uh, whether or not it's a key player. But uh, uh, we're, we're, we're about having players progress and get better and, and, and improve their stock all around. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Just a lot of teams would not let a player go in that situation. But, uh, you know, like you said, I think uh, once you have your core values there and, uh, you know, I mean, it is not easy for, for, for uh, any team, especially to let a top player go. But uh, in this kind of situations, you know, I'm happy to see that uh, you guys would let a guy go if, if you get something, you know, something off. And, uh, how do you, uh, as far as goal setting, right? So, like being an eighth league team, uh, does everybody make the playoff or? This past this past year, uh, when it dropped down to eight teams, what they did was, well, what they were going to do, but the pandemic happened, was the top two teams in each uh, conference uh, were going to be automatically in the uh, conference finals finals so it would have been been the top four teams would have played so the top two teams in the in the east would have played each other and then the top two teams in the central division which is in ontario would have played each other to see who goes to the finals so it would have been automatic final four okay an automatic final four yeah that's how it was going to be this year but uh due to the pandemic you know it changed uh, stop the season. You know, we were probably, let's uh, uh, how many games, 11. So it's 22. We probably had about 10, 10, 12 games left, I think, you know, when the season. We, 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 we were uh, 11 and 11 when the pandemic hit. So. Okay. I see. So uh, do you think this pandemic is going to affect the, uh, the economic situation for some of the teams in Canada or uh, just having so like a ownership group? You think uh, you know that's not really going to be a big deal? Do I think? What, what was that question again? I, I said, do you think it's going to like some of the teams in Canada are going to be affected by the economic situation? I, I hope not. You know, I hope not. It's you know, it's been uh, been touch and go a little bit, but for the most part, all the teams are you know are hanging on. You know, are, are hanging on and, and, and increasing their their value in their community. So I, I hope uh, and I believe that the National Basketball League of Canada is here to stay and, uh, and everything. And then this was just a minor, minor uh, setback for a major comeback for the league. Yeah, that would be that, definitely, that would be nice. And uh, so you said you guys, um, well, especially Wednesday, you guys scout in the summers and stuff. And now this is going to be definitely a, a different summer. Uh, it's probably going to be a different fall. So, so what's your approach uh, as far as signing players? Well, I mean, you know, we're hoping for everything to, you know, uh, get back to normal just in terms of just say in the state of Michigan, uh, because we're right here and where I live and it, even in, in Canada, but just being able to uh, open up the gyms, get the gyms back open. You know, once uh, the gyms and all things of that nature get back open, then we'll start having workouts every day between myself and uh, 
guys on the on the front office staff and the head coach Bill Jones. We, you know, uh, we're, we're we're receiving emails and videos of players and uh, uh, through social media and and uh, Facebook and you know everything like that. Guys looking for opportunities uh, to play, and so our job is to build the roster. Uh, the best we can so uh, to give us the best opportunity to win and to win a championship. So being in the league for, for eight years now, I know the level of, of talent needed to uh, be able to, you know, produce a winning team. So to, so to answer your question is, is, is looking at these, these videos, evaluating players, and then the next step is, if at all possible, uh, bringing them in, you know, bringing them in, uh, to either a tryout that we have, some some uh, private workouts or invite-only workouts, which we do every summer where we bring in guys from across the country uh, in this metro Detroit area and across the country who's looking for an opportunity to play. We have veterans who we pretty much that we're going to re-sign. You know, uh, some of them stay in the area, have stayed in Windsor. Or, or they're within driving distance and they come back and then we, we start piecing it together. So once the gyms are available and, and facilities open back up uh, in Metro Detroit area and, and, and in Windsor, you know, we look to start having some workouts uh, and evaluating players, you know, to put the best team on the floor that we can. Nice. And now that you mentioned the Metro Detroit area, I know, uh, you're also the head coach and the GM of uh, Detroit Cobras. That's, that cor that's correct? Yeah, Detroit Cobras, yeah. And uh, we, we were able to uh, uh, have a handful of practices and, and, and play a game before the pandemic hit. But uh, in that role, uh, which coaching is, uh, is actually uh, my first and foremost love, uh, it gives me an opportunity, you know, to be a head coach. And it gives me an opportunity to scout players in, uh, in this minor league within the, you know, the, the Midwest and the United States uh, to, to evaluate talent, other pro-level talent, to see if guys is good enough, players are good enough to play in the National Basketball League in Canada, and particularly with the Windsor Express. So, um, you know, we're, we're doing it in this area too. And because the, the, the leagues are in opposite seasons, it's allowed me to, one, being a front office executive in the National Basketball League camera then also allowed me to be on the floor and coach during the summertime. Yeah, just this is basically like a spring summer league, uh, right? The Cobras playing. It's a semi-pro team here. Uh, yes. Right, and uh, you guys, how many, how many times do you practice a week? Uh, two to three times. Two to three times. And how many games you know. do you play per season or – Per season, uh, in the OBA would have been 16 regular season. And then actually, you know, on the Cobras, I'm, I'm coaching two different teams under the Cobras umbrella in two different leagues. So the OBA was going to be 16 game regular season plus playoffs. And then in the North American Basketball League, it was going to be uh, 12 then playoffs. So, uh, but the pandemic kind of put a stop to that. And uh, practice a couple times a week. All the guys that play on the Cobras are our local guys, Metro Detroit, and uh, just giving them an opportunity to uh, pursue their their pro dream and attempt to to get to the higher level, be it uh, National Basketball League of Canada or somewhere else. You know, so we're we're here as a as a developmental piece for guys who have uh, dreams and aspirations of playing pro ball. 
Yeah, in that league, uh, you, the teams do not pay. Is that correct? Some some teams do, some teams don't. Okay. Oh, it just depends on the every team and. Uh, yep, depends on that ownership group. Oh, okay. So these teams have an ownership group too. Uh, ownership group or 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 an owner. Yeah. Oh, okay. It just depends on yeah. Every organization can be different. I understand. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then you also look for just uh, local players, right? Well, yeah. Uh, it was best is because of our situation. You know, we're, we we don't house guys, so it's 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 not uh, in our best interest to get a guy from another state and bring him in here and 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 not have anywhere for him to live. You know what I'm saying? So there's enough guys around the Metro Detroit area. Uh, that's finished playing college basketball, that need an opportunity uh, to to uh, keep their resume tight, keep their playing experience tight. So we're we're, we're looking for guys who uh, you know may have finished in in the MAC conference, just say like an Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, or in that Division two level, Wayne State, or the NAIA level uh, around here, Rochester College, or U of M Dearborn. Have a lot of those players who finished their college career who want an opportunity to play college ball. There's several players who uh, played in other states, you know, and other colleges out of state, and they come back home and they're at a loss on how am I able to, I want to play overseas. Well, uh, what we're doing with the Cobras is giving them opportunity to get film, get them opportunity to uh, learn from. A, a, a good coaching staff and an organization that's going to be able to be able to teach them and, and, and show them how to be a pro and uh, and give them the opportunity to present some game film to uh, uh, agents or, or, or professional teams overseas to demonstrate that they have the ability to uh, to play at that level. Nice. Very nice. Well, Scott, I just want to thank you for your time. I think this has been very, very informative for everybody about uh, the Canadian Basketball League, about how the Windsor Express is run, about uh, the Cobras and the opportunities that it offers to, to kids that want to, you know, pursue the dreams after, after yes. college that might not find uh, right away a team overseas or in Canada or in South America or whatever. So uh, I just really want to thank you, you know, for your time and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, Vlad, for having me, man. And I, I appreciate uh, what you, everything you've done, and, and and giving me the platform to speak about this. Absolutely, thank you, Scott. Take care. Thank you. Yeah.